This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. And the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game. I'm your host, Ben Krakowski. The Packers lost another close game. And honestly, you know how I feel about that. I'm fine with that because the season is over. So to be able to watch an exciting game on Sunday where the Packers keep it close but still lose, that's honestly the dream scenario. And while we lost on Sunday, the one of the main reasons we did lose that game again was our run defense for like the 60th time in the last 10 years. The Steelers ran all over this Packers defense. The Steelers averaged around six yards per carry in this game. If you can't stop the run at all, then you don't stand a chance. It's And it's okay to build a team around not stopping the run if you have an explosive high-scoring offense. But if you don't, then that doesn't work. And it didn't work on Sunday. And we were also without Jay Alexander, and it showed um, because it required guys like seventh round rookie Carrington Valentine to be the main cornerback in that room. And that just doesn't work. And it's really frustrating when you have a former first round pick in Eric Stokes still on injured reserve because of a misuse of him as a player. He was out, out of the lineup. He was injured for about a year and a half, comes back, he's active, ready to play, and they play him uh, as a gunner on special teams. And that leads to him pulling his hamstring and now he's on injured reserve, and I'd love to be able to see him out there at cornerback with Carrington Valentine. That would be exciting. That would be fun to see. Just let those guys work and get ready for next year, but we can't even see that. Now we have Corey Ballantyne out there instead of Eric Stokes, and that's just not a good secondary, and right now this has got to be the worst secondary in the, in the NFL, and they're going to give up big plays because of that. And we saw that on Sunday. Even though the Steelers only scored 21 points, they just we just weren't that good. So, and offensively, I do have to say again, though, I was encouraged by Jordan Love in this game. I know his completion percentage was just not there, going just 21 for 40, but he does make the necessary plays. He's fairly accurate. I know it doesn't seem like it, but he does make some incredible throws at times. And even his two interceptions. On his first interception in the end zone, he threw almost a perfect pass to Christian Watson on a 50-50 ball, and he just sometimes had to take those chances, and that's what Jordan Love does, but he got deflected for the interception. Then on the game-ending interception, it was fourth down. He had to ta- had to take a chance. It was the last play of the game. Had to take a chance to win the game, and it just got picked off. He had to make. He had to try something. Those are two throws that I'm fine with him making, and he still dealt with drops in this game. The Packers lead the NFL, I think, and uh, I'm pretty sure in drop passes this season, or if not, it's really really close. And in this game, that was still a problem for the Packers. I was encouraged to see Luke Musgrave. He continues to be made a focal point in this offense every single week. I think he's starting to become more and more comfortable. And I believe he does have the potential to be really an elite receiving weapon for the Packers. Because what's so special about him is when he went up the middle of the field for that huge catch. Why Musgrave is so special is that from the inline position at tight end, Musgrave is fast enough to get behind the linebackers, find that whole shot in the middle against two high defenses before Jordan Love gets sacked. And not many tight ends 
uh, can even do that. So just physically, he has something a lot of tight ends are lacking, and that just opens up our offense in unique ways. One thing I am noticing is a lot of praise for slot receiver Jane Reed. Reed was mentioned by head coach Mike Tomlin last week as their number one rated slot receiver in last year's draft. And for the Packers, he's looked like one of the most promising receivers for the Packers this year. But you have to have some context. The Packers receivers have been bad. So yeah, if you're comparing the Packers receivers, he's been he's been good. He's been one of the best guys. But if you just compare him to rookie receivers, this year, he's the ninth rated guy. Guys like Josh Downs, Tank Dell, Michael Wilson, Demario Douglas, Puka Nakua, Rasheed Rice, all guys drafted after him, and they're all having better seasons than him. So before you go out and praise Jaden Reed and Brian Gudikins as these one like don't like hold your horses because there's not much praise that should truly be happening. And really that's what I want to get into is today is because I'm hearing Matt LaFleur pissed at press conferences from certain reporters about this defense and just being very dismissive. Okay. Uh, questions about how this defense is being run about Joe Barry. And the more I hear it, the more I think Matt LaFleur has some sort of pressure on him from Mark Murphy and Brian Gudikins about how this team is performing. And I don't think that's right. I don't think Matt LaFleur deserves the pressure of how this team is uh, performing right now because I don't think he has a good team around him. I think, yes, I'm not saying Joe Barry shouldn't be fired. I do think Joe Barry should be fired. I do think Matt LaFleur should be more, uh, take more responsibility or be held more responsible for keeping Joe Barry this long, for hiring Rich Passaccia and letting him have a say in these decisions that lead to Eric Stokes getting hurt and leads to so many uh, inefficiencies uh, like blocked kicks that are happening that don't happen anywhere else across the NFL, but it's happening in Green Bay. Uh, when Keyshawn Nixon is taking the ball in the end zone, those are those are Matt LaFleur issues for sure. But when it comes to execution on the field and these guys just not playing well and they're just not being that good, that's not a Matt LaFleur problem. That's the guy giving him the players because this team just does not have very many good players and people think they do, but they're not that good. Most teams that are great have elite players. Think about the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Creed Humphrey, and Chris Jones. Four truly elite players. One of them being a quarterback. That's important. The Eagles, last year, same thing. Look at the two Super Bowl teams. Jalen Hurts, Jason Kelsey, A.J. Brown, Brandon Graham. Plus, they had five or six guys in the next tier of top 10 players at their position. Maybe not elite, but really good players. Both of those teams had top 10 players or elite players. Okay, And if you do that, Every year for Super Bowl teams, the last five, seven years, 10 years, you're going to see a consistent trend with something like that. Three or four elite players, and then another five or six top 10 players at their position. And if you want an example of a non-top quarterback team, just look at the 49ers last year. They had three elite players only, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, but then they had another 10 guys who were top 10 players at their positions. So, And if you look at this Packers team this season, we have zero elite players on defense and just one guy in the top 10 category. And that's Rashawn Gary. Same on offense. We have zero elite players and two guys who are top 10 at their position, Zach Tom and David Bakhtiari, but Bakhtiari is hurt. He's not playing. That's a bad team. Of course, we're not winning games. Brian Gudikins has built a bad roster of above average players in a lot of spots, and he's just not hitting home runs. And that's why we aren't winning Super Bowls. That's why we're not winning games. It's not because Aaron Rodgers wasn't good enough. It's not we didn't have the right coaching here. It was our special teams or our defense coordinator's fault. It's this roster isn't good enough. It's clear, and it always has been. And now we're getting to a point where this 
roster of talent is just drying up. And that's mostly because of the last three years of draft, draft classes, not counting the season. Look at these are the guys. 2022, you get Devontae Wyatt. He's a rotational pass rusher. Quay Walker, an athletic but mistaken ridden linebacker. Christian Watson, a large vertical threat, but not a number one wide receiver. He's kind of a gadget T, very specific guy right now. 2021, you get Eric Stokes, who hasn't played a a lot because of injury. Josh Myers, a bottom center in the NFL. Uh, 2020, you get Jordan Love, a 20th ranked quarterback. AJ Dillon, you get a backup running back. That's zero value. That's three years of drafts in a row where you are just trying to fill holes on your roster rather than drafting the best guy available or going up to go get those elite players. Okay, why do I mean by that? 2022, Brian Gudikins looked at this roster and said, if we just had another interior defensive lineman who could be a good pass rusher, and we had that other linebacker next to Devondre Campbell, we could win a Super Bowl. Nah, no, that is not the issue, okay? It's about finding top players, okay? And just filling holes on your roster through free agency. Don't try to fill your holes through the draft. Same thing. Uh, you needed a number one wide receiver, so we traded up two second-round picks to get Christian Watson. He's not a number one wide receiver. 2021, we needed a cornerback opposite Jay Alexander. We drafted Eric Stokes in the first round, okay? He's not been that guy, obviously. He hasn't played. Josh Myers, we needed a center. We lost Josh, uh, Corey Lindsley to, in free agency. We need a center, so we draft Josh Myers. He's not the guy. He's one of the worst centers in the NFL. 2020 NFL draft. Aaron Rodgers, he's going downhill. We need a quarterback, so we're going to uh, trade up a little bit to go get the fifth quarterback or whatever taken in the first round in Jordan Love. No, don't do that. AJ Dillon, we need a guy who can counter and be uh, what uh, Aaron Jones isn't. Let's get AJ Dillon. No, those are not the right decisions. You cannot be drafting for need, and that's exactly what Brian Gudikins does almost every single year, but especially the last three years, and that's a mistake. You fill needs in free agency. You get the best players you can find in the draft. If you go back to those drafts, okay, you'll find elite players right at around the, the, the places we drafted. And these aren't just like, hey, looking back, oh, we should have drafted these guys. These are guys we were talking about that we had identified as elite players, and most of the draft community had done that. If you look at the overall consensus boards, you'll find that these players were guys who were way higher rated that everyone has access to, okay? Everyone in the world, you do, I do, okay? And they were falling down draft boards for whatever reason, and those are guys you can take advantage of. 2020, you could have drafted T. Higgins, a number one wide receiver. 2021, you had a chance to draft Creed Humphrey, now the best center in the NFL. 2022, you had a chance to draft Tyler Smith, a top 10 guard in the NFL right now. You had a chance to draft Bernard Raymond, now a top 10 off the tackle in the NFL in the second round, and you could have still got Christian Watson, okay? There were ways to build a good roster, and Brian Gudikins has failed to do that for pretty much the last three years. And that's why this Packers team is failing. It's not because we, quote, went all in to try and win a Super Bowl, which Gudikins talked about as if like, yeah, we were out of resources because we went all in. No, it's because Gudikins failed at his most important role, and that's finding elite talent through the draft. So truly, what Joe Barry, what Matt LaFour are doing with the, the quote unquote talent that have been given to them, yes. Joe Barry should be doing better. Matt LaFleur, I don't think should be though, but everyone is also overvaluing the talent 
that these guys have been given, especially Joe Barry. This defense might have nine first round picks, but none of them are playing at a high level. And that has just as much to do with Brian Gutekinds as it does Joe Barry. And that's why this team needs to be blown up this offseason. And that's why I question whether or not Brian Gutekinds should be a part of that blow up or not. And you should be questioning that too. On Sunday, the Packers will face off against the Chargers at home. And what I'm truly looking forward to seeing in this game is what this Packers team does when it finally faces the first elite quarterback it's faced all season. If you, We broke, broke this down at the start of the year. The Packers are, have a very easy schedule. And this is the first team where we, we play a potentially elite quarterback. The only the best QB we played at this point was Jared Goff. But I'm not sure if Goff is elite or if the Lions offense is just elite. But Justin Herbert is actually elite quarterback. He is dealing with injury, but it'll be good to give Packers fans an idea of what an elite quarterback looks like. And because right now, Jordan Love, while I've been encouraged by him playing how he's playing on this rookie contract, he's nowhere near worth playing, paying a large sum of money to try to win with because right now he has not proved to be that guy. So it'll be interesting to see the dichotomy on the field on Sunday. I do think this game will be closer than many would anticipate the Chargers have a couple things not going their way um and in favor of green bay the Chargers have to travel a very long way to green bay that's one of the longer trips of the season that's not an easy change to go from la to green bay just distance and travels wise the rams have traveled to green bay several times the last few years and always lose that game i don't know if it's the just the distance and the temperature change but those things combined just always seem to be a Packers victory at home. And the same way goes the other way. The Packers, when they travel all the way to the West Coast, to Seattle, to San Francisco, to uh, to LA or San, San Diego a couple years ago when it was Philip Rivers, uh, the, the Packers always seem to lose those games as well. So something about changing temperature, um, changing the travel, the playing time, what time you're playing at, uh, it's it's difficult. So this game will be close. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Packers can continue to build on some of the promise we saw last week. I think this game, again, is going to be um, tough, though, for the Packers because we held the Steelers to just 21 points last week, but that's a bottom 15 offense in the NFL. But against an elite quarterback with a good offensive mind behind it, I think this Chargers team has the capacity to score at least 30 points in this game, especially with guys like Jerry Alexander still out of this game. And I'm assuming that's going to be the case again this week. Keenan Allen is questionable, which will make things tougher for the Chargers. But I think this is going to be a game where the Chargers probably score at least 30 points. If the Packers do win this game, though, um, I think the Chargers will be firing head coach Brandon Staley, and he might actually be one of the guys we actually would consider hiring as our defensive coordinator next year, which would be an interesting hire and something to watch for in this game as well because he has struggled as a head coach. He did have a lot of success as the Rams defensive coordinator a while back now, and maybe if he refocuses his attention on the defense, that could help rejuvenate his career. But So something to watch out for. So while I'm excited to continue to see the development from our offensive line, these young pass catchers, Jordan Love, I don't see the Packers being able to score 30-plus points in this game, even against a bad Chargers defense. And I think um, because of that, are going to lose this game, even with all the conditions going the Packers' way, um, pointing the Packers' direction with the travel, the change in temperature. I do think 
it will be close, but I do think the Chargers will come out on top 30 to 27 type of game. So it should be something fun to watch at least. So that's all all we have today, folks. If you have not already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers Now so that they can get all the latest updates on the Green and Gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.